Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. And happy Remembering Resistance Day, everybody. We are Yay! here. We are back. We are excited. It is the second annual Remembering Resistance Day here on Friends of the Force and throughout the Star Wars community, and we are so excited. This is an event where we can all come together and celebrate the series Star Wars Resistance that came into our lives and left much too quickly and keep the conversation alive, keep these characters and stories alive because they are near and dear to all of us, to our hearts, and we miss it. This was an event Mm -hmm. that we started last year, mid-pandemic. We were super sad (laughs) in our feelings. (laughs) And what started as a couple of interviews with some of the cast and crew turned into this event, which is really exciting. And here we are again, celebrating once more. Sarah, how do you feel? I'm feeling good. Like, I'm just excited that we're back here doing this again and talking about resistance with the people, because I feel like resistance is just not one of those things that gets a ton of casual conversation in the fandom. So I'm glad that, um, you know, we're just a a little part of garnering some of that casual conversation and uh, helping people who maybe haven't found the show yet to find the show. Uh, And it's always it's always really, really cool when somebody sees the hashtag and is like oh maybe i should get involved in that maybe i should watch the show after all and the answer is yes if you are that person today and you just happen to turn on this episode because it popped up in your feed or your timeline or whatever please do enjoy yourself have a little bit of silly fun and and come on the hop on the resistance train all aboard Mm -hmm. truly (laughs) resistance is more of a kid friendly show and i think some people tend to discount that right away and not watch it at all but in reality it has some pretty adult themes it's like you know very mm-hmm. anti-fascist it talks about ideas of hope and forgiveness and found family like all of those core themes of star wars are still baked into the show with a bunch of original characters with a lot of silly fun with some beautiful looking animation that is much different and also is more anime like with the cell shading so it's much different than what we've gotten or have been getting since the show ended and that is what makes it really unique so you know again give it a shot have an open mind with the show if you didn't like it the first time try it again because i know a lot of people who were watching it originally and turned it off and are now revisiting it and are like wow i was missing out and that's really great to see because people do revisit the show whether it's the first mm-hmm. time or the millionth time so, Sarah, why don't you tell our listeners what to expect from us, at least this weekend, and what we have released so far on our podcast feed? Sure. So, we like to overachieve because we never understand the assignment. It, it's no. really not in our DNA. So, for this week, uh, we have our episode about the shorts for Star Wars Resistance, which happened during season one. We do a live commentary, and that's on the feed right now. We also have an interview with Sergio Paez, who is a story artist and episodic director for episodes uh, of Resistance, and that was really cool to talk with him and get to know a lot more about the day-to-day of what it means to be a story artist and to get to work on Star Wars and all that great stuff. We also had an interview with Brandon Allman, who is the head writer and executive producer of this here Star Wars Resistance. So it was really, really quite a privilege to get to talk to him and talk about all things Resistance, the story arc, um, the inception of the show, how he got the job, Dave Filoni's influence, as well as literally so many other things. And then we have this episode 
which we are listening to right now, uh, which we're going to talk and look back at resistance over the past couple of years. And then on our Patreon for our patrons, we are going to have our comics episode where we review Star Wars Adventures number 16 and 17, which are the resistance comics. Yeah. There is a lot to digest this weekend. Really fun. We like to just make it a whole weekend event. And I know there are a lot of other shows and blogs in the Star Wars community that will be doing content as well based around Resistance. I know Knights of Ren will be doing an episode. I know Hope from J Guys and Jedi is going to be doing an episode and maybe a blog post or something. So check out all the other fellow Resistance creators out there because that's, you know, th- this event is not just, you know, even though we started the event, and it's something that we're really proud of. It's also possible because of the resistance community. So see what everybody's doing. Look at all the the fun fan art, fan fiction, you name it. Everything that's out there. And you express however you want to share your love for resistance. Just make sure to use the hashtag remembering resistance. And we will try to retweet it if we see it come across our timeline. So very exciting. Yes. And if you are listening to this on your podcast feed, but don't follow us on Twitter or on any social media, and you want to see what's going on in the Star Wars Resistance community, at Friends of Force is our Twitter, where we will definitely be retweeting, sharing, reposting, commenting, all of that stuff on our feed to share in the love of this. Because at the end of the day, it's really not about us. We're just glad to be a part of the conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. So again, Remembering Resistance Day is happening right now, August 29th. So if you want to pause this episode and go tweet about it, do it, come back. And we are just here for some good vibes this episode. This is really just a conversation show about resistance. And we are here to share all of our feelings, all of our hopes and dreams for the characters and the future of the franchise and like what could happen. You just never know, folks. You just never know. But Sarah, I would love to start with what this event means to you personally, you know, seeing what I would consider the relative success of the event last year and seeing a lot of the cast and crew tweet about it, post to Instagram about it, using the hashtag, getting the opportunity to talk to many of the uh, the cast last year, including, you know, Christopher Sean and Josh Brenner, among many others. What does this event mean to Star Wars fans and people who love this show? Well, I'll answer kind of what it means to me and then maybe what it means to uh, everybody else as best as I can. But resistance and this podcast and ultimately this day is actually tied to one of the worst days of my life. And it turned that around for me in a really positive way. So as you all know, this is a pandemic. It's been going on for a hot minute and it's still going on. And the day that everything kind of flipped around and, and turned upside down and spun you in a couple circles and then punched you in the face, uh, was the day that we were interviewing Tasia Valenza, which was our first Star Wars Resistance interview. And I was devastated that day for obvious reasons. I was a senior in college. And uh, getting to do that interview really was the bright spot of my day. It was the most important thing I did that day. It was wonderful to to hear her talk about giving great voice and um, having presence and and all of that great stuff, um, and it kind of everything you know snowballed from there to get to where we were. So you know the pandemic, especially last year, um, but continuing into this year, I think it's been really hard uh, for me, for us, both of us. I, I will speak for you, sorry, because um, <laughs> I think it's true. We share uh, brain cells, mean- so it's okay. We do. I mean, yeah, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, it's been tough for everybody. And 
getting to have this positive creative outlet where not only did we have the opportunity to talk to people that we really do respect and admire and appreciate their work, but also like really get to have a positive interaction with so many other people who also love resistance. What an extremely special gift. Like how lucky are we to even even get to be a part of this? Um, and, and to get to be here among all these wonderful people in fandom who are having these great contributions, big and small to star Wars resistance to star Wars, the star Wars community as a whole. Um, so I don't mean to get sappy on it, but like, it's really special and I'm very grateful because it brought me up during a really dark time. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think for the community, uh, especially last year, it might've also been that for them. Uh, it might have just been a way and a day to talk about resistance with friends who maybe don't talk about it regularly. Um, and it was a way for me to get to interact with a lot of people that I hadn't spoken with before. And so I would say that that's probably the experience of a lot of other people who participated in the hashtag on the day of. And I mean, that's really, really cool. It's, uh, it's very neat to have your world expanded. Mm-hmm. just a little bit, you know, on all sides and, and get to get to know some more people through a show that we all appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, we even talked to her about the pandemic. We were, we were asked like, one of our rapid fire questions was like, what are you doing to pass the time? Like stuck in your home, mm-hmm. you know? And so we were all in it together. And I think yeah. talking to a lot of the cast last year, I kind of got that sense of we've been stuck inside too, like actors. So for them, it was a little different and they wanted that face-to-face interaction so i think for them it was really special for us it was really special and then yeah to see the the passion of the fans online i mean somebody drew an entire map of the colossus i forget which twitter <gasps> user it was oh my gosh yes literally my favorite thing in the whole world like one of the yes. coolest fan arts that i saw come out of the event last year and i just didn't understand the sheer amount of people who are going to show up for this event and mm-hmm. draw and create and podcast and write amazing stuff and i was just like stunned by yeah. how many resistance fans there actually were and i think that's been the coolest thing like you said is to find those pockets of people that we now can relate to through our love for resistance and that's been really special mm-hmm. and i can't wait to see like what people are sharing today if we still want resistance to return in some form or fashion which we do yes you know, give <laughs> us even if it's not resistance quote unquote season three I think there is room within the Star Wars sandbox for these sto- these these stories and these characters to return, and it would be a huge wasted opportunity to not explore some of those some of those people that were introduced in the galaxy far far away because there are just some amazing characters, and every voice behind each of these characters is super passionate about the show. They always say this is like one of the best times of my life being on the show, and I'm like that makes me so thrilled and so happy mm-hmm. like that, how does that mm-hmm. not bring you joy as a fan of star wars even if resistance isn't your cup of tea which we should all be respectful to those who love resistance and like let's not try to like poo poo on it because there are some naysayers that i've been seeing on twitter who are being very vulgar and very mean about it listen you don't have to watch it nobody's making you watch it but like let's admire the fact that people love the show dearly and that's pretty cool. You don't get to find that too often with Star Wars, but when you find your thing, you champion it. Yeah, and I think I think the point is, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you and that's okay and there are yeah. obviously plenty of valid reasons why that might be the case and but at the same time, I guess this is just a general rule for all things. Don't QT somebody and then be like, it's the bad, actually. It's yeah. just like keep that in your own timeline 
and that's okay that's okay just don't rain on anybody's parade one way or the other you know yeah keep allow those parades to keep going Mm -hmm. who doesn't love a good parade yeah come on it's fun (laughs) stuff but i'm so excited for the event this year and if you're wondering why we chose august 29th i know last year we were still wondering if celebration was going to happen and we found Mm -hmm. out it didn't and then we were like let's do something the weekend that celebration was supposed to happen and we found out coincidentally that the meat team fireball video dropped on august 29th of 2018 uh, which we will link in the description of this episode and if you want to watch it you can go back and relive that sweet sweet nostalgia kick and it just really worked out i mean it's working out this year there's not really anything happening within star wars right now tempest runner comes out in a couple days so we're right in the sweet spot mm-hmm. but i want to i want to go back to april 26th of 2018 uh, which was when Star Wars Resistance was actually announced by Lucasfilm. And we have this quote from Dave Filoni who says, quote, the idea for Star Wars Resistance came out of my interest in World War II craft, aircraft and fighter pilots. My grandfather was a pilot and my uncle flew in restored planes. So that's been a big influence on me. There's a long history of high-speed racing in Star Wars. And I think we've captured that sense of excitement in an anime-inspired style which is something the entire team has been wanting to do for a long time. So this is really weird going back to this first article, but also kind of special. It's like uh, that moment of lightning in a bottle. I, I remember seeing this image for the first time, you know, the ocean of, of Castellan with BB-8 in mm-hmm. the corner and just wondering what the show was going to be all about. And it just exceeded all expectations. I think, I think it really is an acquired taste in some sense because coming off of Star Wars Rebels, it's a much different tone. But... Mm-hmm again at the heart of it are some really inspirational things and the fact that dave filoni really wanted to try this new anime style tv show which i think a lot of people were turned off by but again it's different for a reason they're trying different things they want to diversify their animation portfolio and i think star wars resistance really brought something that was unique that we hadn't seen before which is i think the most exciting thing about it I just want to know from you, like, what was your first reaction to when the show got announced and like looking back on the show and like how it all wrapped up in two seasons? Like, how how do you feel about all of it? And like, I just, I don't know. How how do you feel? (laughs) How do I feel? Well, um, it's interesting because I was, as you were reading the quote, I was trying to figure out where I was like April 26th, 2018. And I was like, well, I was probably in finals week. I probably had no idea what was going on in the outside world because I was like knee deep in essays. Um, but I do remember seeing like the initial articles and reading the news that we were going to get this new show. And I just remember really liking the logo. I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is cool. And I think a lot of the early assumptions about the show are that it was going to be really, really racing based um, alongside the, the anime style. And I think people were like, oh, well, that's interesting because uh, Dave comes from, you know, season one of Avatar The Last Airbender which is also an anime kind of style of, of animation and, mm-hmm. and uh, just, just 2D. the energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, not, not exactly the same by, by any means, but kind of some of that energy. So I, I remember being very interested and curious, really liking the logo and being like, okay, we'll, we'll see how this goes. And then honestly, I remember watching the first couple episodes and being like, I don't know if this is for me entirely like i don't know if i'm loving this and as it went on i just fell in love with it more and more and then we ultimately 
we're recapping season two, which was delightful and ridiculous um, and a good time. Um, but, you know, trying to place myself back in that mindset because we're post trot or not post tross, but post TLJ. Like I'm living on the high of that and then getting this new news that we're getting something set in the sequel trilogy era with new characters and stuff. And right before Solo, like a month before Solo. Oh, wow. Almost yeah. today, yeah. Wow. What a time. What a time. What a time. <laughs> but yeah, I think thinking about it now, it just feels like it's been a hundred years and it's been like, you know, two months since that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because the, you know, the passage of time has gotten very weird lately, but uh, it's it's interesting to think that we've seen it come and go in that period of time, and now it's been so long since it's finished in a way, and we're like, wait, how long has it been? Mm-hmm. Because time is just weird these days. Yeah, and when we were talking to to Brandon from our interview, he said that the show was always meant to be a two season series, but you know, mm-hmm. as they got closer to the end of the sequel trilogy, they started tossing around ideas for like what a season three could look like potentially. I really do wish the show had lived beyond the sequel trilogy because one of the things I feel Star Wars is missing right now is an exploration of that time period post Tross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, you know, so much investment went into the sequel trilogy and all the characters and Resistance, especially. And we really haven't explored that time period. I mean, all we've gotten since The Rise of Skywalker, I believe, is Poe Dameron Freefall, which is still a book that's set before The Rise of Skywalker. So it's technically not post Tross. And mm-hmm. I feel like the Resistance characters are such a, a good, would be such a good way to continue the story because, I mean, you have the Colossus, which is such a, a set piece, like a, a really memorable set piece. And you have these characters and they can coexist with characters like Finn and Poe. They have been with Poe. He's in the show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Rose and even Ray or like Maz Kanata or Connix. You know, there's so many different characters that you can, you could bring into the series. And even if it's a new type of series to just live and breathe in the sequel trilogy era, because I I really do miss it. And I think getting this series finale for resistance after the rise of Skywalker, which I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast for a very long time knows Sarah and I's thoughts on the rise of Skywalker. It's not our cup of tea necessarily. And for those that it is more power to you, wish I could, wish I could match that getting resistance after like kind of restored my hope of like oh dang this is some really good stuff this is really thoughtful hopeful uplifting stuff and i would love to see those stories continued but you know we have gotten we got the siege of mandalore after resistance uh, a couple months after which is crazy to think about Uh, we've gotten the bad batch which a lot of the resistance alum came over to that show including jennifer corbett and now we have star wars visions in just under 30 days which is going to, again, be that sort of anime TV show uh, featuring some prominent Japanese studios, which will be really, again, it'll be like a seismic shift culturally for Star Wars that we really need. And I think Resistance was that for quite a bit. So like, how do you feel about the state of sequel trilogy storytelling as well as like Star Wars animation at this point? Yeah. So I'll first say like Visions is not just an anime style, you know, TV show. It is anime. You know, it, it, it really is truly the full realization of that thought process and that influence. And, um, again, the energy that anime has, which is like fast and, and forceful and powerful and, and, uh, just batshit crazy. (laughs) 
<laughs> in, in the best way, in the best way, right? I'm very much looking forward to Visions because that trailer knocked my freaking socks off. It was so cool. So I'm really excited to see the realization of Star Wars anime and um, to see how it all comes together. Because even though those stories are non-canon, we're also going to be getting a little bit of post-Tross kind of storytelling through there, which should be fascinating. Um, as for post-Tross storytelling at all in the state of it, it's it's very interesting because I think I both agree with you and I don't that Star Wars Resistance should have continued past the sequel trilogy in the way that it was in the way that it was conceived. So obviously, yes, I want more resistance. I love these characters. I live for them. It's <laughs> Niku is my main man. Like I would not trade I would not trade most things for <laughs> for Niku, right? Um but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the ending mm-hmm. of the show. Right. The ending is just so pitch perfect that I think it would have been a disservice to the story and to the fans if they had done that ending and then been like, okay, immediately we're doing actually a season three. JK guys, we're gonna we're gonna continue on. Just because for me, after Tross, that ending was exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Um yeah. And it was, uh, and I just, I mean, I watched it just before we started recording and I was crying because it's just <laughs> so heartwarming and so special and so hopeful. And I really needed that. And I still need that, frankly, um, just in my own life to have some hope in the world, right? And people. So as much as I would love to see it continue, I think it would have to, one of those things that's like the whole show would have had to be restructured from the beginning in order to make it something larger than the two season story. Mm -hmm. And I think it could have happened for sure. But I also think that would have required a lot of cohesion in planning within Lucasfilm about like the, the end of the story of Tross and all that stuff and where they wanted to go past there. And I don't know if Lucasfilm is there yet. And that's not necessarily a dig um, really at all. It's just saying, you know, they have other avenues that they're focusing in other stories that they want to tell in this moment. Clearly we're really hopping into the post return of the Jedi phase right now with shows like the Mandalorian um, and all of its affiliated shows that are Mm -hmm. ultimately going to come out. Also, we're getting some more prequel shows. Uh, Post you know, Revenge between. of the Sith. Yeah. 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 In between. And pre you know. Phantom Menace for High Republic. So. Yeah. So like in between these breaks here. So. Yeah. They're kind of building out that space in the universe. And I think. I think it could have been really cool to immediately continue that storytelling. But I do ultimately think we will get it. It's just going to be a handful of years down mm-hmm. the line still. Um, and hopefully it'll be really great and we'll all be on board for it. Hopefully it'll be something that we love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have to return to the sequel trilogy. And like, I say that as somebody who like dearly misses that era and that excitement, that just like aura of conversation around the sequel trilogy. Like I had been without star Wars for so long, you know, with the exception of yeah. clone wars. And mm-hmm. I had grown so close to the sequel trilogy because it was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be like in a theater really, truly experiencing it as an adult. And like forming new memories that are going to like stick with me forever. And that's really special. So, you know, maybe a break is a good thing, but I do hope if we do return to this era that the resistance crew team Colossus like isn't forgotten in that equation. Mm-hmm. Because like, I think if you're going to tell stories about Poe, I think Kazuda Ziono should be there present somewhere, even if it's like in the background, even, you know, whatever. And we'll get more into the future of resistance and how that might look and what we want to see from it specifically towards the end of this episode. But 
Um, I do think with the state of Star Wars animation in general, Visions is just going to be amazing. I, I really have so much faith in it because we're getting so many new creative creative teams involved with the series. Yeah. But I'm mm-hmm. very excited for it. It'll be a breath of fresh air. And to also get something that kind of closely resembles the excitement and originality of Resistance, which I love. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about Resistance itself and you know what we what we remember from it. We're here to remember Resistance. So let's get into the actual plot, characters, story, all that stuff that really has a lasting impact on us and we haven't forgotten about it. So mm-hmm. so Sarah, I want to ask you first, like what still sticks with you we're 581 days since the series finale of resistance what what has stuck with you one that that is so many days it's a lot of days secondly um okay i want to talk about some of the community aspect of this first and i know we talked about the resistance community up top but i want to keep i want to keep on that train because one of the things that has stuck with me still is the sky talkers spaghetti mm throwback charlotte and caitlin i love you um so sky talkers if you don't know them another like literally best of the best incredible podcast hosted by charlotte and caitlin they also did um resistance recaps uh while the show was airing and one of the things that they talked about often was the sky talkers spaghetti and how you know it's the pot and the water is boiling and it's gonna boil and then we're gonna put the pasta and we're gonna cook the pasta but like it takes a while to boil um you know a watch pot never never boils but this one is just taking a while because that's that's how the pasta works and i just remember like every time i would make spaghetti during this time period in season two i'd be like <laughs> this is a sky talkers spaghetti <laughs> <laughs> i even tweeted it like more than once but i honestly thought that was so much fun and a great way to like view the show through especially as it was going on and we didn't really know where it was going to end up and uh, I just I really appreciated their thoughts and their recaps every time because it was always a good time to listen to them. Another thing that I think about during this time period was Brad, how dumb we are as people. Um that both of us individually, it's our one brain cell that was working against us at this point, even though we didn't know each other, really. <laughs> the fact that we did not go to the resistance season two panel uh, and did not get many pictures of the cast at celebration. Like what were we thinking? I don't know. We're clowns. Like, I literally thought to myself, Oh, I can't make it this year. I'll go next year for the season three panel. Oh, womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like my biggest regret because uh, the energy out of that panel from so many of our friends who went was just like so much fun. And that double sided poster that had the season two poster on one side and then oh peep it on the other. Wait, Iconic. I didn't wait, oh peep it was on the other side of that poster. Oh peep it was on the other side of the poster. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so upset. I, I watched that panel as soon as I got home. It was like one of the first things I threw on and I was like, why didn't I go? And we missed it. Oh my I, I mean, gosh. I just can't believe myself on that one. Um, I, I've already like, told you that if Celebration, they start announcing guests for photo ops and there's any resistance people in there, I was like, I'm just going to buy the photos. We'll figure it out we'll later. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> but like, just deal with it. I'm just going to buy yeah. everyone that comes out. Yeah, you better you better save some bucks to Sarah because <laughs> we're splitting them half and half. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just us wearing our Bebo's Book Report shirts. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Except I don't own one because I took it off T Public before I could buy it. <gasps> T Public, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> you should have owned one a year ago. There's like four people that own the book the book report shirt. So for all of you It's me, Allie Andrews, 
Queen Eliandra's. We have the same color and everything. One of our patrons, Jess, owns the <gasps> Bebo's Work Report shirt too. Shout out to Jess. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Real rock Love stars it. here. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I regret this so much though. But again, I will say like watching that panel was very special. It's one of those things that I do yeah. remember because I didn't, I don't know if there was a panel for the season one. So I think this would have only been the only panel for the show at a con. Maybe I might be wrong on that, but yeah, seeing the enthusiasm, oh, it, was, it was 2017 to 2019. Yeah. They didn't do one in 2018. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Brandon was on stage at that panel. We, we talked to Brandon. We've talked to a lot of the cast members on that panel. Very it's cool. a good time. They were just so excited. Like Donald Faison and Bobby Moynihan running up and down <laughs> the aisles. Like good time. Good stuff. Like I can't, I can't believe they, it. Like them. they were just like kids in a candy shop. Essentially. They're like, we're in star Wars. We're here. We have nothing to worry about. We'll just mess around and have fun. So I have a question for our listeners, listeners, whenever celebration ends up happening and it's safe for everybody to attend like whether that be may or not be may you know what i'm saying are we gonna can we plan a group cosplay listeners where we all just <laughs> cosplay resistance characters i think we should do it if you're interested in that tweet me <laughs> i've never cosplayed in my life i'll try um probably go with op pit uh that'd be great it's just a janitor costume essentially which seems pretty easy for me so i can get that'd one of great. those i can get one of those like floor sweeper things yeah excellent start so everybody Brad is going to go as OP bit. Yep. So that's a character already that's been nabbed. So get your characters in fast. Tweet me. I'm not even joking. I'm so serious. Like, you have no oh idea. Oh my gosh. I already uh, mentioned on one of our episodes, I think it was our Patreon, that we're going to walk into Denny's blaring the Star Wars Resistance theme by Michael Tavera. <laughs> it might happen. It With might the happen. Boombox above um, our heads. Yeah, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Give me them the give pancakes. Me them pancakes. Dun, yeah. da, da, dun. And waffles. Oh, that was really good. That yeah. was really good. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, you, I mean, we already talked about what's happening in the community. Is there anything more that lasts for you about the community? Yeah, I'll just say the passion from the creators and the cast. I mean, like every resistance post on Twitter or Instagram is like shared by the yeah. cast or liked by the cast. And the fact that like, it just feels like this really small group of like, you had to be there sort of people. The other day I tweeted out, how I really wanted to see Christopher Sean and Oscar Isaac in live action as Kaz and Poe together. And it got a lot of attention and Christopher Sean was like, I'm all for it. You know? So just like that kind of seeing that kind of thing makes me so happy. Cause like there's the, these actors are still up for everything and everything. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that would be available to them to continue these characters. So it's really special. What a, what a yes. cast, what a cast, what a cast, like what a cast. the They're happiest so cool. cast around. Like, between the sequel trilogy cast and this cast, like we've been doing good in Star Wars. Like we've we've had some great casts and Rogue One, yeah, like, and, we and as, Solo. I mean, it's all been great. We as fans have been very blessed. Yeah, like just with a lot of cool people doing the Star Wars for yeah. sure, for sure. I will also say before we kind of move into the show itself, like another really fun thing that was was fun to watch as what was happening and fun to continue watching. Um, you'll see why in a second is Hope. Um, Hope Molinax. She, um. Uh, would always talk about resistance and have great commentary on the episodes. Uh, and now she's doing like a whole resistance rewatch with guests on her podcast, J guys and Jedi. And we joined her for Bebo. If you know us, obviously. Um, and that was so much fun. We talked about like a 30 minute episode for two solid hours and it was ridiculous uh, and a, a delight. And so she's continuing to do that. Her and Chris on J guys and Jedi. And 
it's awesome that they are continuing to look through the series in such detail and and with such joy in their hearts and and so that's was fun to watch while it was happening as well as now as it continues to happen if there's anybody keeping resistance alive it's i mean it's got to be hope <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean i i just love that there are so many people continuing to keep the legacy of the show alive because that that's that's all we can do i mean the show's over we just got to keep talking about the characters that's all we're doing we're just here to remember it we're here to think mm -hmm. about it and and we're just here to show the creators that we still really care about these shows. And I, I love that there are just so many people that have that enthusiasm and that energy still, because that's all, that's all we need. You know, uh, as Leia would say, we have everything we need from the Resistant community. And I'm just so happy about that. But let's jump into Darn the show. Right. Let's jump into the show for a minute, because first thing I want to say up front, the visuals. The visuals. I feel like this is the most hotly talked about thing. Like there are some people who like strongly despise the visual look of the show. There are some people who are like, this is amazing. It's so different. It's so unique. I fall in that category. There are so many like establishing shots on the show, like with sunsets in space with the Colossus. Mm -hmm. There are just so many moments on the show that I went, wow. Like we watched the, you and I both watched the finale, rewatched the finale today. And like mm -hmm. the one opening shot, like where all the Star Destroyers show up on Eos and start you know raining fire down on the planet which was like crazy to to watch but you know the there's the shot of like all the star destroyers like in the sky and i was just like holy crap i was like this is some powerful imagery for a show like this and i think really the show does a good job of like providing that scale and just like the levity of certain moments with the way that it's composed and yeah it just does that so effectively and i love the show for that it just it just works. It just works for me. It just works for me. And it might not work for everybody, but that's cool. But I love it. You really get the vibe from the show that that Castellan is a place where it would not be a bad place to spend your time, if that makes sense. Like it feels like those vacation ads where it's like, come take a trip to this luxury resort where there are fine pools and, and that sort of stuff. Even when there's chaos going on in the galaxy and even to the Colossus and the people in it, there is this sense of tranquility, I think is the word that I'm, I'm looking for here. The sense of um, calm and, and peace that is uh, evoked from this imagery from the colossus just sitting steadily in this water as it, it you know goes on at, throughout the entire horizon and um as remote as it is and as that can be isolating i don't think that's the tone that the show is trying to paint and i and i think it does a good job at in painting this sense of of sense of calm and peace and and that's why it becomes so dramatic when the first order begins to invade that space yeah, and I think speaking more to the visuals as well, like we, we mentioned up front that this was supposed to be a racing show and like obviously it turned into much more than a racing show, but like the visuals too of the race, of the, the, the flight of these ships yeah. and the way that like this is the only series where you have those like tails kind of coming off the ship, at least when they're on Castellan. And then even in the finale, like when you have the X-Wing, you have Team Fireball flying together, you have the pirate ship together going up against these massive first order star destroyers again the scale of the show just continues to increase with each episode and like by the end of that you're just getting something so big and so monumental 
you feel mm-hmm. small with the rest of the team colossus crew you feel like you're a part of the action but that you can make a difference and having niku and doza on the bridge as part of this larger battle it's just like I, i'm just so amped from watching the finale earlier again but I think just again the visuals with the story with the characters because your visuals will never make up for your story. If your story is not there, the rest of it falls apart very easily. But the mm-hmm. thing that works with Resistance is it is a beautiful show with beautiful characters inside and out. But speaking of the Colossus, Sarah, let's talk about the Colossus for a minute. What do you think about this shit? The Colossus, and, yeah, the Colossus. And the, the, also, you mean you're ta- we're talking about the Colossus right here, right? Like, like the Colossus. Yeah. And like, why haven't we got a cross sections for it? Like in a book, like like a I like mean, a ten page fold out, and also like a body pillow of the Colossus. Like where where are where is that? I, I will I will I go fund me for it if if or Kickstarter whatever we need to do I'll do it, and then I'll more will ultimately make ten of them like <laughs> one for you one for me one for our like five resistance friends one for Caitlin from Sky Talkers like <laughs> and then that's it. Um, the Colossus, queen of my heart. No ship is as cool as the Colossus. Sorry, Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon, who ca- who cares about her? The Colossus, however, I'm obsessed. I'm I'm overwhelmed. Like, what a stunning setting for the show to be in. Not only is it like an interesting community with Aunt Z, with the Gorgs in the marketplace, with Team Fireball and Yeager, and the Dozas and the Aces, but it's also just a gorgeous amazing huge ship and it's so cool when it takes flight and we finally get to see the scope of it all and like nothing in star wars is that cool Mm. nothing in star wars is that cool that is how that is as cool as it gets except for maybe visions because i i mean i think i've previously said that like visions is the coolest star wars has ever been and we should just all all star wars should be visions and i i stand by it however the only thing that comes even close to that is the Colossus and Rose Tico, of course. Okay, that's yeah. it. Okay, I'll stop talking now because <laughs> I, but the point is, the point is the Colossus is so stunning. And you're right about the cross section. I think we'll be asking about that forever. Right. But like what I would do. And also a huge shout out again to that person who made the Colossus map last year because like, wow yeah <laughs> that was a real winner that was so freaking cool we should find that and retweet it and link it in our description yeah. um because now we've talked about it twice but <laughs> i mean like what an amazing place mm-hmm. and it, it just the, the it feels so different than a star destroyer which is maybe of comparable size because of how it's done vertically instead of horizontally and how our characters live and, and work and play within that space and it's just very cool to see how it all comes together throughout the show mm-hmm it's easily the coolest Star Wars ship. Like, hands That's down. That's what I'm saying. You know? That's what I'm saying. I think the, the greatest thing about it, my last point here, is that it is full of life. You know, it has a marketplace. It has the, yeah. the turtle shell folk underneath, right? I it's love just them. so alive. And mm-hmm. I love that by the end of it, like, every citizen of the Colossus is defending this thing with their hearts. Right? Yeah. And they are coming yeah. together as one. And the last point that's made it's not team fireball it's team colossus that's what aunt z says Mm -hmm. and that is so cool to show this is more than just a a a home or a place it's a family and we are going to protect our our family no matter the cost and i think that's one of the ultimate messages of the series by the end and you know 
part of that moment too in, in the finale is Tam, her being welcomed back to the Colossus as her home. And, you know, I love when she asks Yeager, you know, permission to come aboard. I cry mm. every time because mm-hmm. she thinks that, why would anybody want me back? But yeah. Star Wars is about forgiveness. It's about, it's, it's about forgiveness in a, in a heightened way, right? Because a lot of things that happen in Star Wars that are done by villains are very extreme. Like, you know, nobody in our world is going to blow up a planet or those sorts of things, right? But Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars is trying to fundamentally teach us about really simple lessons like forgiveness and compassion and all these things that like, hey, like people do bad things sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. some are more cataclysmic than others, as Niku says, but it's about moving beyond those mistakes, not forgetting them. It's like, you know, it's that's Yerika Quill's story. Yerika Quill kind of closely mirrors mm. Tam a little bit in some ways. You know, Tam's not going to forget the fact that she joined the First Order for quite a bit. Um, but she's, it's not going to hold her back forever because like, that, like what, what, what's the point of life at that point? And so I think there's so much beauty in Tam's redemption arc that she is able to have those final moments and everybody's so excited to see her mm-hmm. and have a drink together in Aunt Z's bar and hug it out. And like, that's why the, the end of the show is so uplifting. Like, what are your thoughts on Tam's redemption arc and that true happy ending for, for Resistance? Yeah. I think like my one thing is I wish we had gotten more Tam throughout season two, but it doesn't even matter at the end of the day because that ending is just so perfect, especially in a time pre-COVID and post-COVID, right? When we are such, uh, and not even having to do with Star Wars, whether you love Tross or hate Tross, whatever. But we were in a time where we were in such dire need of hope, maybe for ourselves, maybe for the world we lived in. Maybe both. And the end of the show really evokes that in such a beautiful way. And the music at the very end where it's very peaceful and and hopeful but quiet. You know, it's not bombastic. It's not um, over the top. It's just very present and, and momentary and um, momentary and lasting at the same time, if that makes sense. But this ending really just speaks to the way that we as people ought to hold forgiveness in our hearts. And we don't have to forgive everybody that crosses our path. We don't have to forgive everybody in the same time frame, you know, that um, the Colossus crew did for Tam, but we ought to have it in our hearts to, to be able to forgive if Mm -hmm. that's the path we choose. And, and we ought to be able to extend that, that feeling for others for those who deserve it and those who we know um you know will be able to learn and grow from that as well as much as the person forgiving um will as well so it's so beautiful to see everybody welcome tam back back into their arms and and i just i just remember niku like i also watched this and of course niku but he's like oh tam it is so good to see you the mechanics, we have so much work to do and it will be so much more efficient, you know, with you here. And he's like, and Tam apologizes. He goes, you know, we all, we all make mistakes. Some are just more cataclysmic than others. (laughs) I thought it's hilarious, but you know, they have a wonderful hug. And what he realizes is that his friendship with her and their teamwork together is what's most important to him. And he's willing to 
look forward and and look forward to that that teamwork again and same for everybody um and you know Vanessa Doza welcomes her back and Kaz welcomes her back and everybody does and I think it's a really beautiful way for her to accept that forgiveness in her heart and and recognize that yeah she's made a mistake but she can also move forward and be better and like I think it I think it's positive for everybody mm-hmm. those who are doing the forgiving and those who have made the mistakes and um I think that's really beautiful and I think we need more stories like that because there's a lot of hate in a lot of people's hearts mm-hmm. and uh, we ought to be better than that. Yeah. 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 It's much easier to hate than it is to love and, and forgive. And even George thinking about George Lucas's goal with star Wars, I, I forget the exact quote, but he's just, he said, star Wars is about loving people. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. all these stories are, it's just about loving and caring for one another and hoping to build a better community and better galaxy. Right. And that's something that he hoped could be brought into the real world. I mean, Star Wars came out during the Vietnam era. Here comes a, a young student from USC saying, why don't we just all love each other? Like, why don't we stop fighting? Right. <laughs> like, why don't, why don't we put why don't we put down our weapons? Right. It would have been yeah. it would have been so easy as soon as Tam came on board the Colossus to, you know, point their guns at her and say, you know, you're under arrest. You're treasonous. You're a traitor. But it's much harder for them to say, like. We forgive mm-hmm, you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Kylo mm-hmm. Ren, I think um, one of the reasons I, I'm so upset that he passed away is because we didn't see the person he could become or, yeah. or the way that other people could treat him. Um, again, Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars is not reality. It's okay for fictional characters to forgive a fictional villain. And I would have loved to have seen how tough would that have been for like Poe and Finn and, mm. and Rose, all these people to forgive Kylo Ren. Maybe not forgive Kylo Ren. But to uh, accept him in some sort of way, similar to like a Zuko character, right? I mean, even when Zuko sure. came to the Avatar and said, I want to be your firebender teacher, Katara's like, no way, we're not having that. You're not accepted here. You did some bad stuff. And it takes her a couple episodes to warm up to him and ultimately be allies by the end. And then they're lifelong friends after the events of The Last Airbender, right? So those sorts of stories are so much harder to tell because it really makes you question and think about like, where do we draw the line? And how do we forgive people? And that's that's just a beautiful thing. And that's why I loved this show, because they were so ready to bring back Tam. And mm-hmm. for much of that episode, yeah. Yeager and Kaz yeah. are fighting along with her. So it's much easier for them to see the her true motives do align again with Col- the Colossus team and with her old friends and family. And that's what she says to Tierney. Like, Tierney's like, what, what did I not give you that they gave you? And she's like, a family, right? And that's just yeah. so, so beautiful. I want to just uh, touch again on the point that you made that it's much harder to forgive somebody than it is to, you know, be mad at them or hold that grudge or take them into custody or whatever. And you're right. Yeah. You're right. And and I understand the reasons why people may not want that story for all the stories that they get, especially when uh, if you're thinking like, well, stories really impact our world and, and really impact us. And, and the answer is yes, like stories impact us. Um, there's no doubt about it. And there are stories that have really impacted our world. I think that's also quite true. And uh, for me, though, I, I really feel that there's been so many stories lately in the past 10 years or so that are just kind of brutal. It's like character, dead. Character, dead. Character, dead. Redeemed, no. Actually evil, 
actually evil or i'm gonna kill off this random side character you know like just out of the blue and it's done in a way that's very gruesome in a lot of stories i think this especially kind of happened um within the dystopian uh ya dystopian thing of the 2010s i think that's where that kind of stemmed from because um i don't want to spoil the end of the divergent series but the moment book three was told in two perspectives whereas the other two were not i knew something was up (laughs) and i was right um so there's this sense that so many stories have not had the imagination to hope and the imagination to look towards a more forgiving and caring future and I really appreciate that this one did. And I understand that probably part of that was the fact that it is a show that's geared towards younger children. But that's also such an important message for us to have as adults. Um, and I feel very grateful that that message, it felt like it came at just the right time mm-hmm. for, for me, uh, as I mentioned earlier, for me and I know for so many others. And then revisiting it during this pandemic where it felt like the wind was just knocked out of me over and over again because of what was happening in the world Mm -hmm. it's it's still very uh, still a a very healing ending for me so i don't know i don't know what else to say i just i think that's how all endings should be in a lot of ways yeah especially in fiction because that is a it, it is an area where we can especially in fiction because it is a place where we can really put down the the weight of real world situations for just a minute and like just get back to the basics of like basic humanity. But the point that I think the point that you're kind of hinting at here is especially in our speculative fiction where we're getting stories that are not taking place in our real world, Mm -hmm. but are that are reflecting something that we're seeing in ourselves and they're trying to tell us something that we need to hear. Yeah. Um, That's where those, those sorts of stories are really important and, and why I love speculative fiction so much. Yeah. We're getting really into the thick of it here, Sarah. And I think we should go turn our attention towards the more lighthearted aspects of resistance. So let's talk about Niku for a second. We had a whole, uh, my boy, we had our, our series is named Bebo's book report. The series art by Mariana Avila is wonderful. It's Bebo and uh, he's being held by Niku and they're both reading little women because they have taste. Uh, <laughs> sidebar little women by Greta Gerwig is one of the best films of the year 2019. Anyways, I digress. So, <laughs> Niku, we had can a whole- you tell that inspired the art? Yeah, can you tell? <laughs> I think Listener? that's actually you when probably, I did it. You probably can't. I, I think I had just bought like Little Women on digital that week, and I was like, "That's one hundred percent what happened." Yeah, that's one hundred percent what happened. So, Niku Nirvana is our segment every episode that we did on Bebo's Book Report, and it was when we yes. talked about a moment where like Niku just made us achieve enlightenment, and he is just one of those <laughs> good-hearted characters, much like you you feel like is Rose, you know, the good-hearted yeah. engineer in Star Wars that mm-hmm. doesn't have force powers but makes a difference with their optimism and enthusiasm. And I think Niku is that character because you need a dash of that in in these situations when you're being chased by the First Order, and yeah. And that attitude that like nothing can go wrong, even though things are going wrong. And it provides for some really great comic relief. But that's what I love the most about Niku is he's just he's so wholesome. He's so authentic to himself. He doesn't change the way he is for anybody or anything. I love in season two when he wants to be a pirate so bad. And he has the moment when he, you know, puts the coaxium together and like that's his shining moment. He has some really great heroic moments. Uh, be, you know, Blowfish yeah. one, Blowfish two, oh my et cetera. God. So just like, I want to hear your thoughts on Niku as a character. 
Do you really want to hear my thoughts on Niku as a character? Okay, the like, condensed version of... Uh, okay, okay. Because <laughs> we could do a whole episode on Niku, probably. Multiple but, episodes. You know, we're going to go through... Yeah, we, rap- can, we can do what Sky Cottagers just did with Frith Kenobi for Niku. <laughs> Our Niku summer series. <laughs> Our Niku summer series. Um, uh, knowing Niku. It, you know, it even works. It even works with the case. Um, and, the, and the ends. Um, so, Niku. Niku what's not to love you know like like truly like what's not to love niku is somebody who is just so kind and good and selfless and has such a big heart and i think those are all qualities that we can strive to have and so i was immediately just so endeared to his character because he's just so honest and good and uh you know sometimes he's a little unaware of the jokes being made at his expense but he he will never stop loving you know nothing can make him truly stop loving and even when when nina betrays him in the engineer i think he still truly feels for her and truly wishes that she felt differently about her situation there's just something so radical about him like his radical compassion for other people is is so perfect to me and his joy and optimism enthusiasm are all things that i strive to have in my own life and love to channel through him and like I strive to be as good as a friend as he is, honestly. Yeah, he's got a good heart. And I love how he's always wanting to be Kaz's best friend. And I'm just like, that is just, gosh, how could you not love Niku? And I, I feel like the, the hatred that is out there for Niku is like the same sort of hatred that people have for Jar Jar, which is just totally misplaced. And like, we love Jar Jar at this house. like. Jar Jar's great. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. disrespect our boy. Like, he's just trying his best. I know he gave emergency powers to Palpatine. I know he did that. It's fine. It happens. Hey, it created the Empire. We're practicing radical compassion right exactly. now. We're going to forgive him forgive for that. Forgive him. Mm-hmm. But I just think he's he's they're they're kind of similar characters in some ways because they both want to see the best in the world in some sense. Yeah. And like the way that Jar Jar is like. Ani, welcome back. You know, like that's that's Niku. That's like Niku being like Kaz. Hello, Kaz. Just that enthusiasm is just unparalleled mm-hmm. in any sense of the word. So it's just it's just wonderful. Niku is a great character to Star Wars. Where is my Niku Funko Pop? Where is my Niku Black Series action figure? Hashtag yeah. release the Niku merch. Lucasfilm. I will give I will give you every dollar. The way that I would break my own rule to buy that Funko Pop. I would break my own rule for Niku. Just want you to know that. Back at the summer convention called FunkCon. I can't uh, believe that was the actual name of that thing. I, I know, it's ridiculous. But they released the Imperial Super Commando Funko Pop from Star Wars Rebels. So never say never because Star Wars Rebels came out happen. like four years ago. Four or three Anything years ago. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. So who knows? Funko, who knows? if you're listening to us right now, you know what to do. You know what to do. I will literally send you my address if you just want to make one first for me. <laughs> just make one. All right. Um, but no, Niku, he, he's just he's just the best. And his moments throughout the series, I think we could go through all of our Niku Nirvana. Like we had one every episode that mm-hmm. he was in. So there's there's a true bright spot in every episode because he's there. 
Yes. And I hope that his story or mentions of him continue in other Star Wars stories because other Star Wars stories also deserve that bright spot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But not only Niku, there's other bright spots in this series. And I think we could go on all day, but we probably shouldn't for the sake of our listeners because they have other episodes and to listen to Brandon Amon interview and things to do today um, in their personal lives and using the hashtag remembering resistance. I'm sorry, I had to plug it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but really what I'm here to talk about as well are the Dozas. We have Captain Doza. We have Tora Doza. And to complete the family set, we have the mom, Vanessa Doza. And they're all alive and they're together, <laughs> hugging each other at the end of this series. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that was so revolutionary in a freaking Star War, I really do mean it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it is so revolutionary. Like it should, like this, the fact that moms are dying all the time, they're absent moms. I have no idea why this is a thing in Star Wars. Like, I don't get it. I don't like it. Yeah. It's frustrating. Where are the women? I will probably never get over it. But that's what makes this so radical and so revolutionary within the realm of Star Wars is the fact that I don't know if I can name any other family unit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that truly like them is all together at the end of the big battle. Even Hera. I mean, Hera, Kanan died, right? So. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars animation wise, that there's one that didn't make it. There are a lot of great love stories. Like love is a central component of Star Wars. And absolutely. The episode Rendezvous Point with when we first meet Vanessa is the first episode mm-hmm. that I cried for resistance. Like actually like welled up in tears because I was just like so moved. And I was like, who the heck directed this episode? And it was Bosco Ng. And I was just like, Bosco, you're the best. You did the yeah. thing. And I, and I followed all of his work after that. I became a Bosco loyalist with Rendezvous Point. <laughs> Bosco, come on the show, please, if you're listening. That episode like changed my perception of the whole series. I was just completely blown away. And then he, Bosco also directed the episode Rebuilding the Resistance in Season 2, which is a Vanessa-focused episode in some way. They go to, I think it's, uh, they go to um, Dantooine uh, to rescue some pilots. And uh, Vanessa's involved and that's when she comes back to the colossus and hugs emmanuel and hugs torah they have that one moment where emmanuel kind of laughs and like you know like fixes his hair or i think Vanessa fixes her hair and emmanuel is like ha ha ha, ha. you know like, there's just like a little bit of flirtation that happens and they hug it out and they're just such a star like a happy star wars couple and i love them for that and i i really really want more from the dozas like i think of a nisa story is warranted at this point i would personally love a lost stars Vanessa falling in love with emmanuel opposite sides of the war story and emmanuel's like i'm gonna drop this empire shit because like that girl's kind of hot i got the hots for Vanessa. i'm gonna leave the <laughs> and that, empire that's exactly how it goes it's really not deeper than that he's yeah. like mm, <laughs> she cute though she's really like cute. she's really cute <laughs> So, like, I just love those types of stories, and I feel like that that would be really awesome. That that that's my number one story that I want. I imagine that it was like my parents. My parents, uh, like my dad, m- had to move because of his job fairly early into my parents' relationship, and my mom like just sat him down and was like, "Are we serious about this? Because if we are, I'm coming with you." And like, Aww. they've been together ever since, you know? Love that. Um, so I imagine it's kind of like that. It, like he sits down and they're like, are, are we serious about this? She's like, yeah. 
okay okay i'm leaving the empire bye peace <laughs> and, and also the um, importance of mother-daughter stories in star wars oh my um, god mirna, yeah. mirna velasco who voices torah on uh, may 10th 2020 on mother's day she tweeted out some of the projects that she, she was involved with and she said all these wonderful mother-daughter stories i get to be a part of wouldn't have been possible without you llama and she Aww. posts the first picture on there is a post of vanisa kissing torah doze's forehead and i'm just like this means so much to people like the fact that we get that mother-daughter story in star wars because we don't have yeah. many of them and i wish we got more of them but i can't think of many others off the top of my head sarah i don't know if you remember any but oh gosh not off the top of my head i know that there's the deleted scene where padme goes back to her her family home but that's it's so minimal and it doesn't actually exist in the movies well i I guess from Uh, a certain point of view i mean like ray and leia is is a mother-daughter story you know you know we're raylos she's her mother-in-law technically because she's married to the ghost of kylo ren (laughs) aka ben solo (laughs) this is now 16 candles well she's a motherly figure to everybody she comes across you know um and and so she kind of exudes especially in the sequel trilogy that motherly energy towards the whole resistance Mm -hmm. uh so there's a bit of that there but no like you know blood mother daughter relationships where we have an alive mom who is a mentor and a friend and a parent to um a daughter and oh i can't believe i have to say it omera in uh, mando we do love omera she's great more omera please more moms omera and winta great characters love the sanctuary bryce dallas howard get her more star wars please <laughs> she's directing book of I, boba fett episodes i just gotta say can't okay. wait can't wait okay for those episodes <laughs> to blow my socks off anyways but like okay kind of back to back to the thought of yes. mothers and daughters yes. i just women are here but like women have always been here women are the reason you're on the planet today you know like women are integral i laugh because i'm thinking back to little women where Sir Sharona just goes, women. Women. <laughs> anyway, women. Women. Um, women are great. Like, they've they've been they've been here. They've always been here. The reason they're the reason everybody's here. And yet they just get they get dust in Star Wars. And even though Vanessa is only in, I believe, three episodes, very slim number, she has such an impact because mm-hmm. her presence at all is such a breath of fresh air. And the fact that she's so caring and nurturing and that they and, and that Emmanuel and Vanessa have this story that is so star-crossed and, and faded and also but just so loving and caring and kind. Like, give us more of that in the Star Wars because the the characters in the Star Wars deserve that. And we deserve that too, as mm-hmm. fans. And so I hope that the story of the Dozas gets continued in some way because. There's so much story to tell, whether it be backstory, whether it be the future, there's, there's story to tell. And mm-hmm. these characters, you can tell by just the, the short time that they have together, that they have a loving, nurturing relationship. And that is so important to show on screen, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear Captain Delza go, punch it 4D, like a million other times. I should make that my ringtone <laughs> when somebody texts me, punch it 4D. That would be- Every time I text you, you just get punch it 4D. And then, but then I send eight texts in a row. She was like, punch it, punch, punch it, 4D, punch it, punch it, punch it. Like, Sarah, stop thirsting over Ben Barnes. Like, calm down, send it in one text. 
<laughs> I'm just here to roast myself. Really. Yes, that's why we're here. This is the roast episode. Anyways, <laughs> we should do one of those where we just roast each other for like an hour. Anyways. But ex- except it's like because we're just so self-depreciate, like self-deprecating humor. We're just roasting ourselves the whole time. On our own Star Wars takes. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah. we'll do that that's very funny All um right. anyway talk about characters yeah speaking of lifelong friendships like you and i flix and orca although you mean lifelong are space husbands <laughs> yeah i mean they're going to visit flix's mom like every other episode so oh, yeah so they're this, married this <laughs> so these two characters are wonderful they are hands down the best star wars couple out there so back on an episode of coffee with kenobi Brandon Amon, Athena Portillo, and Justin Ridge, who are all executive producers on the show, confirmed that that's the case because Justin Ridge had said, quote, I think it's safe to say they're an item. Absolutely. They're absolutely a gay couple. And we're proud of that. We love Flix and Orca. One, I wish this would have been confirmed during the show, um, but I will say it sure, is, it is yeah. amazing, at least after the fact, to get some sort of acknowledgement. And I, I think they just have such a loving relationship and they're so chaotic. And we talked about this. They on our- are most chaotic <laughs> on our shorts episode uh there's a couple of shorts uh focused on flicks and orca which you should definitely watch them because it really puts on display the true maniacal nature of each of them and the way they oh, laugh God, I would, and the way I'd they love them. the way they're just uh, meant for each other truly and just jim rash yeah. and bobby moynihan are, are you, you couldn't pick two better people to voice these characters i do love flicks and orca and they're just so different but I just mm-hmm. think they're such a welcome addition to the Resistance cast. And then we get the episode from Beneath, where we're getting more of the the Gazo and and like his family and all that good stuff. And like that's such a great episode. Oh my gosh, yes, it's, it's so good. And also, I love just getting to see more of these creatures because a lot of these creatures that we see throughout Star Wars, we get once. And then maybe mm-hmm. like in 15 years, they'll show up again in another piece of media. And you're like, oh, that's the same creature as that guy in the cantina, you know? Right. But the fact that we got so many of like Flix's people and family and his culture, even a little bit, like what they do on the day to day, all in this one like episode throughout the series was really, really cool. And um, gosh, you're so right about their chaos. <laughs> you really are and i just i just would want to like what i would give to be a fly on the wall at acquisitions like Mm -hmm. can you imagine i just would love to watch their banter throughout the day as they like receive new inventory and stock it yeah and are like this is out of place and he's like no it's not out of place i put it there and he's like you moved it two inches to the right you know like and and they're just been like bickering he's like i know you put it in that place and it, that's where it's supposed to be and he's like that's not where it's supposed to be it's supposed to be on the shelf below like can you like i would just laugh all day because i think it'd be hilarious yeah it'd be like me and my friends working at the bookstore except cooler yeah <laughs> as we move into some of the funnies of resistance to to close out our discussion yeah they are definitely a part of that there are so many mm-hmm. funny moments. I think From Beneath is a great episode and we do get to see more of the species and them all kind of being like, ah, oh, you're back, you know? It's fun. It's a fun moment. But mm-hmm. I think a couple episodes before that, the hunt on Celsar 3 has Ooh. one of the best lines of the show. All right, And that is ready? when they take down the Jakusk and Kaz goes to Tora and goes, it looks like the Jakusk got Jakukts. And he like does a Jakukt. little finger, yeah. <laughs> the finger the gun finger thing. Guns. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, are you serious, Kaz? <laughs> Just like, that is the best joke on the show, hands down. I love it. 
And Christopher Sean's delivery of that line is perfect. So great moment. I also feel like I need to say it one more time just so we both get our moments <laughs> to shine while impersonating. So let me, let me, listeners, let's Rewind go through the joke one more time. Ready? Ready? The j- look, hold on. Looks like the Jakusk <laughs> got Jakut finger guns. <laughs> it's just so good and i probably also like torah like totally rolled my eyes when it happened i was like this joke is ridiculous but it's lasted yes it's lasted because it's hilarious it's chef's kiss but you know what it's not you know what it's not it's not a catastrophe (laughs) the way the way the show this airing i was like i hate it i hate it every time this joke appears (laughs) now i'm like catastrophe excellent joke 11 out of 10 would recommend to hear again which i think of the episode kaz's curse when you know they're playing they're they're playing a betting game and kaz gets cursed and and the 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 one guy i forget what his name is but he keeps calling kaz a catastrophe and kaz is just like he just can't catch a break no matter what he does and i love that episode's really full of catastrophes for sure because everything that can go wrong does go wrong in that episode well i think that hype is the one to give him that nickname first mm. oh yes i think so because we talked about hype banter in our shorts episode yes because <laughs> hype has got some he's um, he's got some good moments here oh yeah you know? absolutely absolutely <laughs> so another really fun joke and i'm not going to get the joke right because I was dumb and did not find the exact language prior to this recording. But that moment in, I believe, season two, when it looks like Tam and Niku had a secret language that they would use to talk in over the the walkie-talkies to a more or less talk crap about Cass. And they're like, it wouldn't be a secret language if you knew about it, you know? Like... (laughs) But like, I can't I believe that, that they came up with their own, own lingo, essentially, to be like, well, Kaz is a terrible mechanic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's funny because I think that really shows the relationship between Niku and, you know, Tam and the friendship that they had, you know, prior to Kaz coming in and Kaz coming in like a wrecking ball and bringing the First <laughs> Order to their door. And I say that in the nicest way, like Kaz is lovely and I, I really do love his character, but you know his appearance definitely caused some some ripples especially for tam so but but to know that they had this whole thing going on mm-hmm. it's very funny to me it remains very funny to me it just speaks to the close-knit community that has formed on the colossus and that's why i really love mm-hmm. the the colossus as a place because it is off the beaten path it's a place that you the thing about the colossus like once you find it it's like Mar- it's like a margaritaville almost in a way <laughs> Because, you know, uh, once you once you're there, you're there and you're having oh fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe you're like, you know what the reference I'm going to bring up today? Margaritaville. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Margaritaville in my mall. So it's, it's been a, it's been a minute since I've gone there. Um, but it's, it's know, a good there's place. A, there, there's a Margaritaville on, on Navy Pier. That's, that's yeah. the only one I've ever been yeah. to. Speaking of Margaritaville, there are fish. Uh, on the walls <laughs> at margaritaville i'm pretty sure or at least paintings of the fish and and that brings us to bebo yeah that brings us to bebo well bebo <laughs> is definitely uh great and uh blowfish one blowfish two in the season one finale is uh phenomenal i love that niku oh, again is, is just so <laughs> passionate about that nickname and you know kaz is kind of dismissive of it at first but over time it grows on him and i love that it's just it's a true testament to friendship and yeah 
I just thought that was a really funny moment of the series. There are many that were missing, but that's, that's at least one that really sticks out to me. But also, I mean, while we're here, let's mention Bebo and Bebo's mom, oh, two yeah. of the most iconic characters in the entire show, despite only being there for one episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, one of the best moments in the entire show, it is joy. It is purest rapture. Kisses, kisses, you I, know. Like, I use that phrase when I describe the series. This <laughs> Star Wars oh, Resistance is purest joy and purest rapture. It's, it's yeah. amazing. So, so blessed. So blessed to be in a world with resistance absolutely well sarah as we start to close out i want to think about the lasting legacy of resistance and you know again it's been almost two years since the series has ended this is the second annual uh, remembering resistance event uh we will have it again next year most likely it's something that we like to do annually because i think the more that we remember the show and bring new fans on board it's so exciting to see people on twitter this weekend going ah maybe i'll give it a shot you know and that's like i'm like yes Mm -hmm. and there is like a new joy in discovering star wars and giving it a chance and finding out it is something that you do love and i know we we hinted at earlier some of our hopes for uh the return of these characters and in future stories and i would love to see them return in some form or fashion I, i do think publishing and tv is probably the best form or medium for them to come back in my hope one of my 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 big like tinfoil hat hopes is Vanessa Doza is a part of Rangers of the New Republic. I hope, probably Ooh. not going to happen, but I hope if that show still happens, I hope she is one of uh, the pilots. I want that show. Like my my really like out there theory is Rangers of the New Republic is just a show about moms. <laughs> oh my god the way that you know like the way that i would be like you know when that the whole disney investor day thing was happening and they were all announcing all these mando spinoff shows and i was like oh i don't know how this is going for me as a fan but if it was a mom's show the way i'd be like this is exactly the content i've been waiting for this entire time i've you know like this is this is perfect i i'm i was never i was never you know i was never not on board yeah. i've been a fan of this you know like <laughs> the way i would flip the script and i and i and i don't say i would lie about what i felt about it before but um the way that would be for me is right. what i'm getting at i mean you could have Aiden. You could have Hera. Stop. You could have Vanessa. You could have a bunch of Star Wars moms. Leia, <gasps> Leia is involved Stop. somehow. Like, oh, mother daughter. Even though you know? this doesn't go so well for one of us in the end. Iden Zay. Yeah, yeah. RIP to like. I'm just saying. Them make, but, make <laughs> Rangers of the New Republic a show about space bombs flying their spaceships. That's all I'm saying. Disney, you don't even need to give us credit for that one. Yeah, just do it. Like everybody would love that show. And, yeah. you know, so let's just do it. That's, that's one let's of my hopes though. Yeah. And I, I do. I, I am excited. Like you said, to return to the sequel trilogy era at some point, I think maybe a break is needed, but like once we do return, uh, it's going to be like a chewy we're home moment for so many fans who were, mm-hmm. that were introduced to star Wars through the sequel trilogy. That's going to be a really special moment when we finally get that co- sort of content. And I hope that the resistance crew is involved in it somehow, even if they're in the background, even if like, you know, chopper and rogue one, I can go, Oh my God look it's chopper he went went, for like two seconds mom look mom she's like i don't even know who that is i'm like it doesn't matter look look good time yeah yeah what what are your hopes for the the legacy of resistance and how it could show up 
I hope that people continue to find resistance. Um, I, you know, it's easier than ever to find it. It's on Disney plus. If you have a Disney plus subscription, it's right alongside all the new shows you're watching and the movies you're paying 30 bucks for, you know, uh, to watch at home. So it's there and it's ready. It's ready and waiting for you. So I hope people continue to find it. And I hope that new generations of young people specifically continue to find it who may have not been able to experience it when it was on TV. I also very selfishly like hope that these characters continue to get mentions and roles to play in other Star Wars storytelling. We know that Captain Doza has a really fascinating backstory. You know, we know that Niku has a really fascinating backstory. We know that Kaz has a fascinating backstory. He's from Hosnian Prime. Mm-hmm. We know that these characters truly do have full lives outside of just the two seasons of this show. And I want to see that in some way, shape or form. And I hope that down the line, we do get to see that and that the voice actors that were a part of it to begin with continue to be a part of it because it's clear that they really enjoyed, uh, you know, sharing their character with the world. So that's, that's my selfish hope that we continue to see their stories um, play out because as as a star wars fan i think the coolest thing is when the star wars we watch has has ripple effects in other stories Mm -hmm. absolutely i think there is a space for these characters in star wars and Mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time i'm hopeful that it will happen and i kind of have to have hope that it will happen at some point because the i mean if if maul can come back and if somehow palpatine can return i think we can bring Niku in for a post-Tross story or something or another, right? I mean, it's it's very sure. easy to do that. And yeah. uh, Lucasfilm, I think, has hopefully seen the love for the show, especially with events like Remembering Resistance Day. And that's the importance to show that people still care about these characters and the legacy of the show. It's why Rebels Remembered is a thing as well. It's another day during the year where we can mm-hmm. remember it. I mean, Clone Wars saved. That was such a thing for a long time, and Filoni went back and finished off the series. Not to say that our hope is like, oh, bring back season three, save it. But all we want is is these characters to keep living and breathing within the sandbox because they do serve a, a purpose, and a wonderful purpose it is. So, Sarah, as we start to close out this episode again today is Remembering Resistance Day, and for all of you Resistance fans out there, if you're wondering how you can join in on the fun. Just remember to keep the conversation alive. Use the hashtag remembering resistance, uh, not only today, but every day. If you have a, a memory or a piece of art or a podcast episode that you want to share next month or the month after, by all means, do it and continue sharing your love because you just never know what the future holds for Star Wars Resistance. And I'm just so happy, Sarah, that we got to talk about this today. And, Me too. you know, another remembering resistance day in the books. And here's to next year for our third annual. As Obi-Wan would say, as he runs his fingers through his hair, another happy landing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sarah, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. But for all of you listening, if you want to see more about Remembering Resistance on your timeline today, make sure you're following Friends of the Force on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find Sarah and I on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Goodreads as well for our personal opinions about Star Wars and all other things. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review if you could, because it helps other people find the show and join the Star Wars discussion. 
And also make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so all of our latest episodes drop into your podcast feed. If this is your first time listening to the show, we are big High Republic fans. We love Resistance. We love their prequels. All those sorts of things you can expect from us in the months ahead. We also have a Patreon where tiers start at just a dollar where we get special things such as today our patrons are getting uh, a comics episode again about those two Star Wars adventure comics that feature Star Wars Resistance characters and storylines. Um, and we are so, so grateful for our patrons because they help us keep the show going and help us bring Remembering Resistance to you for the past two years. So, and they are Amy, Anna, Brian, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Jesse, Jen, Knights of Ren, Huang, Levi, Lindsay, Lucy, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, Saber Bouquet, Sky Talkers, Travis, and T. Thank you again and happy Remembering Resistance Day. Yes. Thank you all for celebrating with us this year. It was such a special event once again. And we cannot wait until next year. So until next time, everybody, Team Colossus out.